This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me for the 122nd minute of Michael Mann's One Heat Minute is, this is what I do. I, I'm kind of like, um, I'm, I'm sort of out there, like uh, John Voigt says about Vincent Hanna, you know, out there, eyes open, you know, dedicated, checking out people along the around the internet and around this movie. And I, you know, was going through film Twitter, as one does, and I stumbled upon uh, an absolutely hilarious review of The Nutcracker in the Four Realms by today's guest. And I laughed and laughed and laughed, and it was just such a good reprieve of, like, there were a lot of serious movies in this one. I hadn't heard about the movie, so I had someone recommend it, and I clicked on it, and I just laughed and cackled and cackled and cackled. And it was a tremendous review. So I thought, man, what? how awesome is she? I have to ask her if she'd ever, A, heard of the, this show, and B, if she'd like to come on the show. So today I'm talking to LA Times critic, um, she's also done things for the playlist, Nerdist, Tribune News Service, and uh, she's part of the LA Film Critics uh, Association, who pretty much did like one of the coolest award uh, award uh, dedications this year. So uh, I was stoked uh, to to hear how fun it was actually doing it. But here we are with Katie Walsh. Katie, welcome to One Heat Minute. Hi, thank you for having me. You are welcome. You're welcome. And uh, yes, if anyone hasn't, uh, I will make sure I post Katie's Twitter and things. You can follow her Rotten Tomatoes. You can find that review. It's an absolute delight of um, yeah. uh, of just, uh, you must have had fun eviscerating that uh, that film. Every now and then, like quarterly, I just <laughs> have to go in and just thrash something to pieces. And it's so fun. And I'm really glad that that comes through for everyone else. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun for me. And it's funny because... A lot of my reviews where I just like savage something like complete, like no holds barred, no mercy. Those reviews have like led to things like doing this podcast or, you know, one of my editors at the LA Times is like, hey, I, I read your complete trashing of Florence Foster Jenkins. Like, do you want to lunch and like come in and like talk about other stuff you can write? And I was like, yes, I would love to. So I'm going to go back and write. I'm just quickly making a note. Florence Foster yeah, Jenkins. The Flow Flow Jenks review. Flow Flow Jenks. <laughs> that's a Twitter handle. If you don't yeah. have a secret account that's your own that's called Flow Flow Jenks, I really, yeah. we've, we've, right. you know, if we don't have it by the end of this episode. Yeah. But so, yeah, I'm super excited to talk about Heat um, and do also, this podcast. Also, I, I love um, people s- s- all around that I've been really lucky to talk to always say, oh, Blake. Everyone must want to talk about the heist. And I go, yes, sure, <laughs> um, people do that. But it's this mm-hmm. really weird thing, Katie, and you're you're the another example of it. It's like, I'm like, no, people actually don't want to talk about the heist. People want to talk about the strangest things. And I'm going to just quickly like go to Katie's email because she's like, wow, what an honor. I'd love to be a guest. I haven't listened to it yet, the show yet, but weird request. Any chance I can do one of the minutes with Henry Rollins? 
I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about Henry Rollins and Heat. And so that is exactly why we're at the 122nd minute. This movie, it actually makes me laugh at how different people like have like these little segments or these people or these characters that they completely grab onto and they're like, I love this. This is my favorite. And Henry Rollins is like a forgotten figure in this movie to be yeah. like, for the most part, he's like the 15th thing that people talk about, but he's here. And in this minute, he's very memorable. So yeah. what I'm yeah. going to do, what I'm gonna do, we're going to watch um, Al Pacino's stunt double tackler, Henry Rollins stunt double um, <laughs> together. Now you guys are going to hear um, the glory of that stunt double tackling. And then we're going to come back and we're going to have a chat about it. Cully to us. How'd you know? Who told you? Who told you, you rat motherfucker? Who? There you go. There it okay. is. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's one of the more glaring moments in the whole movie where you're like, where you're like, oh yeah. It's one of the more glaring. Glaring moments in the movie where you're like, uh, they're clearly stunt doubles. <laughs> like for all the amazing Val Kilmer changing a magazine and firing rivals, you're like, oh no, that guy's about a foot shorter than Henry Rollins when he dives through, you know, back through that window, that plate yeah. glass. Also like to suggest that Pacino could like throw Henry Rollins against the wall <laughs> so hard. Like he flies through the air and like yes. hits that wall so hard. And he, like when he tackles him, I'm like, Pacino's a small man. Yeah. Like, I know we're not supposed to know that like in the movie magic world, but I'm like, <laughs> Henry Rollins is like a foot and like 60 pounds on him or something. You know, it's like, I was, it's just so funny to imagine them like matched up in that scenario and like Pacino taking him down. <laughs> it's the perfect scene for like Michael T. Williamson, who's like six foot four. Like you want, you want him, like you want Bubba yeah. to like burst through that door and tackle Henry Rollins. Cause you're like, I believe that like, that's what's so great about Michael T. Williamson. He's got that presence. You're like, he's going to tackle a dude and he's yeah. going to feel it. Like that. Yeah. It's just one of those great, Oh, let's suspend our disbelief here. But I genuinely yes. do like the, um, that once he's disorientated on the ground, like picking him up by his face and throwing him through a window. I really like that. I, I do like that moment. And and poor poor Henry Rollins, Hugh Benny. It's like the he's already screwed up on every conceivable level and he just cops a beating by the police to like uh, to at the last moment of his, uh, his entire part of this movie. I know, I know. And I actually read, I, well, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into this out, but I just read an article with where Henry Rollins was talking about shooting that scene and how his stunt double like got his head sliced open going through the glass really? and they just get the take. Cause apparently Michael Mann does tons of takes. So they had to stitch the back of the stunt doubles head, throw him through the window again. <laughs> 
and then take him right to the hospital. And then they did all this stuff with Henry Rollins on the balcony where he's like, you rat motherfucker, which is hilarious to me because like, that's like important information that like a criminal informant gave them. And said he's still like, you're a rat, like shaming him for snitching. <laughs> that's how your operation works. Like on criminal informants, but but also but also I think it's that's that whole Vincent thing that I love is that for his guys, yeah, he's got his rats that they do what they're told. He's like he's not happy with this anonymous rat. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's like, he's like, I'm gonna shame you because we're we're we're, we're you know you're a crook and you're rat, you're genuine, you're rat. You're if you if you're it's like a pimp. If you're one of my hoes, like you're one of my hoe rats, then you do exactly <laughs> what I say. But freelancing, yeah. that's I'm just not I'm not taking that right. And, you know, I was thinking about it, like I was thinking about the larger themes of the movie and it kind of ties in here a little bit that, you know, I want to call Vincent like the law and order man, but yeah. I don't think he's the law and order man. I think he's more of a right and wrong man. And so like, it doesn't matter to him going through protocol necessarily. It's more like, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? The fact that he's, you know, besieged by the thoughts of all these people who are dead, the victims of, you know, uh, that he talks about in his dream in the, in the co coffee scene. But, um, yeah, he's like, he, it's more, and, and I think this scene kind of illustrates how he, he, it's not really about procedural and protocol. It's like his way of doing things, his morality, his, um, beliefs. Yeah. I guess. And, and, that I, I totally agree, Katie, because I love that. That's like the engine. Like the engine is their beliefs and and that you know really clear morality of this is right and this is wrong. And what's what I find now, especially in this scene, is just another example of how police work is so much about discipline, but largely about luck. Yeah. When you've got people who are this good. Yeah. Because yeah. if they don't get this call, they walk out of that bank and they drive away. Right. Like no police have any time to do anything unless someone like literally a police, one individual police car happens to stumble past the bank because they were going to go do their banking that day, but no one catches them. So it's also, um, I, I always like to think of it as like, how the hell did you do this? Like you stumbled onto this information and we've had all of our feelers, all of our informants, all of our stuff. And you're Mr. Anonymous tip. Right. Like how it's did you get this information? Exactly. And, and, um, and what inspired you to call or, or it's like a lot of this movie is about these like really um, <clears throat> like well thought out systems, whether it's, you know, the investigation or the heist and then these weird little like anomalies that fuck everything up like yes. Wayne Grow or, um, you know, in this case like that, this actually makes the investigation the tip from him. But it's like these weird little things that you can't predict that are like little chaos elements yes. that just like come in and like make everything, you know, blow up. And, and I, I think, I feel, you know, Wingro and also maybe this tip are kind of parallel in that way. Um, Cause it's all blooming from Wangro. Wangro is the beautiful chaos of this movie. Like the yes, complete, yeah. you know, I don't care about your systems. I don't care about your discipline. I'm going to come yeah. in and fuck things up. And like, even if you say, don't shoot these guys, you know, right. He makes yeah. the, the, the beautiful part, and I keep reflecting on it as like it's like within the first 13 minutes of the movie, he's like, he makes up a guy threatening him. Yeah. He makes it yeah. up. Like, yeah, yeah. You want to fuck with me? Like the last time I watched the whole movie, that's I was like, he's not talking to you. It's just like scream at the television. He's not saying anything. Why are you <laughs> shooting him in the face right now? 
Yeah. Well, he's, you know, I don't know. Have you done this thing? Um, like the D and D like, like grid, like chaotic, good, like lawful, good. No, I haven't. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't done it for the movie. Maybe I should. I was thinking about that. Um, you know, I just did this Die Hard podcast and we did that like on the Die Hard podcast talking about John McClane and um, Hans Gruber. And I think that Pacino is like kind of chaotic good. Yes. Because he's so all over the place, but he's very strict, like right, wrong, do the right thing, save people, save innocent people. I think De Niro is kind of like lawful evil. I don't know. I can't decide which one he is. But, like, Wingro is definitely chaotic evil. Yes. Just, like, messing the whole thing up. And and I think there are a lot of different characters that might not all fit in this grid, but, like, you could find, like, a good, healthy amount of heat characters to, like, put. <laughs> and <laughs> and all the all the nice lawful goods are, like, Vincent's team. And you've just, like, yeah. plonked them all into there because they're all these, like, weird, strange, eclectic bunch. And similarly, um, you know, Chris is, the, Chris is a hard one now that, I, now that you say that. Chris is really tough. Yeah, it's like none. I, I don't know if they would all like exactly fit, but it, it's interesting to kind of like look at them that way. We just the what's cool about this minute as well is I love. I don't know about you, but like a real geeky editing storytelling thing that is it's it's quite it's used to flashy effect in like Edgar Wright movies where someone's like. Who the fuck told you? Who? Like, who the fuck? Who? Who the fuck gave you the order to do this? And then you answer it with a, like a, a a a quick a quick cut to who told them? Like, either they're yeah. sitting there, you know, having a cup of coffee. The bad guy's sitting there as as their lackey is getting interrogated by the police or whatever. But I think in this, in the last sort of, I don't know, it's about eight seconds of this minute, you see De Niro pop up in the hills, and you're like, oh no, he's gonna find out. He's going to, like, in this moment, they're both on the same, this is where this convergence happens here. They're both on the same investigation now. Like, this is where De Niro's lawfulness, I think, when you were sort of mapping out his personality, is going, oh, well, where did that, how the, How did this get tipped off? How were the cops there? It's impossible. Like, we dumped everyone. It's impossible. So he's like, okay, it must be Treo. Oh, no, Van Sant. Van, and so they're, they're both converging. They've got one lackey at a time. And he's just yeah. faster than Vincent again. This is another frustration, another frustration for Vincent that Neil gets there first. Yeah, yeah, and he's more decisive in his actions, which is, you know, because he actually just shoots Van Zant, which yes. is you know, going past the minute. But um, and he's wearing this beautiful sweater, which I also noticed. <laughs> That's enough. Um, <laughs> what's also going to say about the the way that the the the, the Pacino like throwing him through the window is shot kind of mirrors that when De Niro kills Wayne hmm. when Neil kills Wayne there's this weird almost like POV shot of like <clears throat> pushing him so it, it would be from the POV of um Pacino when he's like pushing his head against the um window there's a sort of a same shot where when De Niro bursts into the hotel room door and like sort of shoves Wingro, there's like a similar almost like POV shot, the camera really close to their face. Yeah, it goes handheld. It's that really weird handheld moment. It's it's a lot really prevalent in Ali because it's like pretty much the exact way that Michael Mann integrates footage in all those fight scenes where he's sort of there's that handheld camera action. He's and yet there's actually a couple of great behind the scenes shots in the 
Tashan Michael Mann book of like him standing behind Will Smith holding something that looks like a GoPro in his hand, sort of sticking it in oh. there. And, but yeah, no, I'd never picked up on. See, this is why I love getting fresh people, right? Because I'd never thought of those two things. But but there's two completely different. This is where their personalities differ completely. It's like Vincent will manhandle someone. Yeah. And they'll toss him through a window and have no hesitation to give, give him a bit of a beating. But yeah. the line of, I'm not going to kill this guy if he doesn't give me the information. I'm not going to hurt him, you know, you know, shoot him in the kneecap him or anything like that. It's it, his, his goodness has to work so wholly here. Um, the big difference, this is where the big difference is, and just to get onto something more silly, is Henry Rollins' buffont in this really, <laughs> like, it really, it really frustrates it must frustrate continuity because it's the first thing that you see in this minute when he he's thrown through the door and it's not the stunt guy because like he comes out and he's like the stunt guy's got very sort of neat like a short back and sides you know like old school haircut and then Henry Rollins has got this like it looks like a microphone topper that's on his head like for a guy yeah, who's yeah. famous of talking I just yeah. love it so much I see it and I'm like oh my god Henry Rollins so funny. I mean- the, when I told you I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about Henry Rollins, it's more that it's just like um, my thirst for him. Oh, <laughs> thirsty. And, and thirsty for specifically 95 Henry Rollins, like when he's thick Henry Rollins, young. Oh, the thickness is very – it's a key moment because I um, – so just a weird, stupid tangent, but a couple months ago I have this group of friends that uses this like um, – messaging app called Marco Polo. It's like a little video messaging app and you can like send videos to groups. And we were all talking about heat and I was like, oh, I love heat. Heat's so great. And I was like, Oh, and Henry Rollins is so hot in that like, <laughs> Rollins. And everyone's like, Katie, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I know. And so I ended up making a video and sending it to them, which was a kiss from a rose soundtrack. Seals kiss from a rose was playing in the background and it was just Amazing. one of my favorite searches which is henry rollins shorts so i highly recommend everyone listening to the podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna do a live google and i'm gonna just pictures of him in black flag wearing really short shorts (laughs) and it's in his much leaner days (laughs) the thirst is real the thirst is so strong but um you know, I came to Heat kind of late. I only saw it like a couple years ago. It was, in, it was like a huge hole in my filmography. And the first time I saw it was on a plane, actually. Yeah, it's so bizarre like, when you find old classics. It's like Lawrence of Arabia is on planes. Yeah, I know. It should it's be like, illegal. So in the past couple of years, they've started doing more like older films on planes. But it's one of those things I was like, oh, this is like a three-hour movie. I have a long plane ride. I've never seen it. And I always I knew about the coffee shop scene, but I kind of was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be kind of like if I'm not going to be into it. But um, it just totally took me by surprise. It's so entertaining. Yes. And I was watching it and I'm like, oh, my God, thick Henry Rollins. Is in this. <laughs> <laughs> and like all, like all the casting is so great. Like I, I think um, I looked up the casting director, Bonnie Timmerman. I'm just like the cast is so good. Tone Loke. Henry Rollins. Strange, right? Like these are underground music figures at this time. Like yeah. they're probably two massive cult com- on completely different tangents. Henry Rollins is like a, yes, an actor, but at this time, 95, like thicker than a Snickers and like still performing <laughs> a lot. Yeah, well, I looked up his 
to see what he had been in. And like, it was like a couple weird, like shorts and underground films. And then like, he was in Johnny Mnemonic, which I totally didn't remember. And I'm sure it was like a side character. And... I haven't thought about that movie probably <laughs> since I saw it. Johnny I know. Mnemonic. Neither had I. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And then some other movie that he was in, which I can't totally remember. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely taking a risk on, I mean, not that, the, not that Hugh Benny is such a huge character, but I just feel like she does a really good job. Like, yes, like Sizemore, Kilmer, like all these guys are so great. Wes Studi. Um, so good. Dennis Haysper, like all these guys in these roles and um, that are so great. I love Mike Kelty Williamson. Um you Ted know, Levine, Ted Levine, you know, and and Ted Levine talking himself into a, um, talking himself out of being cast as the bad guy, because mm. he was, oh, yeah. So M- Michael Mann was like, "Oh, do you want to do Wango?" And he's like, "Just you know, pretty fresh out of Silence of the Lands." He's like, "No, I don't. Yeah. I really yeah, yeah. don't. I'll, I'll be Bosco. I'll be one. I'll be right, a, he's one like, of the play a, a cop this time. I'll play a friendly guy. You know, I can yeah. have a weird mustache and be strange, but please don't make me be the bad guy." I really like the, the casting of Wayne Grow, though. Kevin Gage, like, he's he's great. And um, and Hank Azaria, like, all these people pop up, like, halfway through the movie where you're like, whoa, that guy, like, I don't know. I just think the casting is so great in this I've, movie. I've tried to reach out to Bonnie Timmerman, and you're going to remind me to do it again because I just genuinely go, when a cast has 70-odd speaking roles and you think of Tone Loke, like, yeah. it's like... And he's so, good. He's, and he's great. They're all great, yeah. like... You know, it, it, it's it's not it's not Henry Rollins' fault that that his buffon gives him away, or he has to be tackled by a small man like Al Pacino. Like it's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. Oh. It's 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 just it is what it is. But yeah, like I totally agree. the the random The random happy surprises you get with these people, especially how good they are in brief stints. You're like, oh, like that shouldn't be allowed. Shouldn't be allowed to be that good for like five five minutes and then walk straight out out of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I was gonna, you know, I I, I think Man is great. Like I'm, I was like, oh, his movies are so well cast, but you kind of have to also give it up for his casting directors. But um, this this I think is like one of his best casts. I mean, there's so many of them. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah, he he hit a he hit a real purple patch in this sort of nineties period though like he'd had Mohicans and then even early 2000s like he said he's had Mohicans and um uh, Heat and then The Insider and then his next film is Ali and that sort of sneaks out and for whatever any criticism you have of the movie the cast is like insanity it's just mm-hmm. insane balls to the yeah. wall every character all the different time periods um you know um, you know i i'm gonna i've got to quickly google his name because i i think it's i always forget this guy's name but it's um the guy who played malcolm x in ali like that that guy is so amazing mario uh, da, 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 da. what is his name i want to say it's just like Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, obviously, of course. Mario Van Peebles, like amazing. Peebles. He's yeah. amazing. Jeffrey Wright plays the Howard Bingham, the photographer. Again, Michael T. Williamson. Just a st- absolutely stacked cast. Stacked, stacked, stacked. Yeah. Pages and pages, like 70-odd people again, all, all, in, all amazing, all amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I don't know. I, I, I never really considered myself a Michael Manhead, but I think I'm like a new Michael Manhead. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look – you all need a gateway. This is it's the same with food, right? You need a gateway 
into it. And if thick Henry Rollins is your gateway. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It absolutely no, I is. Just, I, I also had never seen Collateral and I just watched Collateral. Yes. I'm like, this is a good ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. And you know what I respect so much about Michael Mann? His movies are entertaining. Yes. As hell. But they're really good. I mean, like, they're dealing with these, like, heavy themes and, um, you know, these really universal, like, ideas. But they're just so entertaining and they're so beautifully made. But you, you're just, like, caught up in them and you want to keep watching them. And I, I review a ton of movies every week. I review, like, five to seven movies a week, which is insane. Yes. Which means I see so many movies and I see so many bad movies. And it's hard to make a movie that is as entertaining as Collateral and make it look that easy. Yes. Or for three damn hours and make it look easy, you know? So, but he makes it look so effortless and it's beautifully shot. And it's just like, ugh, I, I, I just think I have so much respect for him for making entertaining movies. <laughs> and, and what's funny is the first time I saw heat on the big screen was earlier this year. It was the oh. first time I'd actually gotten a chance to see it on the big screen. Every time it'd been home video and you know, all the different varieties of Blu-rays and things like that. And you're so right about it being entertaining because like every line almost that Vince and Hannah says in this movie got a laugh. Like I was with a heat, I was with a heat or to be fair with a heat audience. Cause it was at an, um, it was called like an American classics film festival that it was on American essentials. Like, and they were doing an LA crime movie. So they had a couple of, you know, uh, you know, Chinatown and things like that. And then they had heat. And I just remember like the laughs and you're like th- so thankful because the movie is intense and it's, yeah you know, quite, you know, and you have to be really focused and you've got these little confessional scenes under freeways and really high intensity action and then intense relationship moments and crazy serial killer, you know, um, you know, uh, digressions. And then, but every single time Vincent like answers the phone and is like, oh, that's wonderful. And then hangs up on someone he knows, like, that's my favorite thing in the world. Like, it's so entertaining. And this, and this scene, this minute is no, no more entertaining. Where's Studi with a shotgun, Al Pacino tackling Henry Rollins, <laughs> grabbing his face, manhandling him. I mean, I was, I was watching the movie this morning and I was like going to like coughing fits <laughs> watching Pacino when he's like, she's got a great ass. <laughs> dying like what what okay who who told him to just randomly yell at, at, at whatever he felt like you it? you you nailed it you nailed it before katie so katie gave us that great bit of trivia about the poor stunt guy's head who was cut and to get the shot they finished it and then sent him to hospital before they finished the scene but that scene there was something that wasn't working so they just were running it like and pacino yeah. was good enough to um, and I've been blessed to have both Pasquale Buber as one of the editors and, yeah. and Dante Spinotti, and they talk about Pacino being like, he's just on. The minute that he's in, on the set, he's on. So he's ready to, and he's got that fluidity. He knows the script, but he's he'll just go. Like, he'll keep trying to give each um, each take something new. And they said he just kept going, and it wasn't working. And so mm. instead of being crazy repetitious and, you know, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, like that definition of insanity... He just gave it something completely different and got in Hank Azari's face and was like, <laughs> great ass. And the shock that got Hank Azaria, <laughs> they were just like, this, this is perfect. Like, this is, this is exactly what the scene was missing. And that's yeah. what people, like, that stupid decision in his head <laughs> yeah. to go great ass is, like, I, what people it, remember about this yeah. movie. It's three hours. People remember that scene. 
I know. He just, I just love how he like randomly screams for no reason at all. <laughs> but uh, it's like reminds me of Austin Powers when he's like, I can't control the volume of my voice. <laughs> How do I tell them that I have no inner monologue? Yes. Is is there something significant in him grabbing Henry Rollins' mouth? Like, shut up. Like, like he grabs yeah, his like mouth you're and, and he's, yeah, you're <laughs> right. He throws him out the window. I'm just yeah. like, that. that's a really interesting choice. I've never wanted to pick someone up by the face before, but he clearly <laughs> he clearly does that in this sequence. Um, also, in that article I was reading about Henry Rollins shooting this, he said that Pacino was, like, so nice. Like... So professional, so nice. He had to stay handcuffed on the chair or the couch or whatever for a long time because they, like, couldn't find the prop guys. And he was saying, like, everything on a Michael Mann movie is real. It's, like, real handcuffs, real guns, like, all this stuff. And so Pacino would never, like, leave him if he was still sitting on the couch, like, handcuffed. Like, he would sit there until he came over and the, the prop guy would, like, unlock him. And he said the casting process was just that he had to go to lunch with Pacino and... um see if he liked him because apparently like De Niro and Pacino were having tension on set. And so like Michael Mann was like, I just need someone who's like not going to cause drama. Like hopefully Pacino likes you. <laughs> and like, if he, he likes you, you're cast. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's the, the litmus this test. Is new, this is new stuff. I, I need to, I need to get that article <laughs> off you, but that's so I'll funny. It's so, it's so funny how, you know, this, for this big sprawling movie, um, they were separated like they're literally yeah. like they were just like they, they had deep respect for one another but like they obviously they're in three scenes together in the whole movie one is like outside of the car and then in a cafe and then the great end scene it's like we're gonna do these scenes and that's it that's that's all i want you to be around for right yeah exactly. like because part of the effect of the movie is how i don't know about you watching it recently but how when you watch the whole thing, especially my most vivid memory of it this year is that scene with an with an audience, and you sort of you you know what it's like. You when you see a movie and then you see it with an audience, it's like you can be that disembodied self and sort of go, "What's the vibe of this thing? Like, are people having fun with this movie yeah. that I love, or are they all hating it?" And in that coffee sequence, like people barely breathe. I feel like they're just like, "There they are yeah. together." Yeah, yeah, and 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 there is a good, an important cultural reason why that scene was important you know because these two guys had parallel tracks and stuff in their careers and it's sort of like oh wow they haven't been in a movie together like that's so weird or they haven't been in a scene together and and um so it has that huge like cultural impact but and it is a, a, a riveting scene because it's kind of like a moment where the movie just stops for a second because there's so much stuff going on. And the movie just says, like, okay, like, let's put all the, like, thematic cards on the table. <laughs> like, who are you? I'm chaotic. <laughs> you know? Uh, this is where I think you are in the diagram. So I've just drawn this up. <laughs> yes. But, you know, like, you know, they're talking about their dreams and stuff. and But it, it does give you a moment to breathe. But it does have that, like tension yes. like you're not going to get up and go to the bathroom during that scene tell me what they say when i get back you just yeah, whisper right. to your friend like, what happened <laughs> um they had coffee and talked about their dreams um, <laughs> that's totally the answer that's so what, what, right. I mean, what else nothing <laughs> just like the whole linchpin of like this three oh, hour just, epic. yeah just like 
everything that this movie has been leading up to and probably 20 years of acting history in America. But no, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. You know, you did touch on one massive thing that has only really been referenced by like one other great guest of the show, Nick James, who wrote the British Film Institute book on heat. And he talked about... we Good like company. <laughs> Good company. But it's like, it's funny company. It's like everyone is really beautiful in this movie. No yeah. people talk it. It's not a. It's not in the top twenty things that anyone referenced. But like, De Niro's never more handsome. Oh, I know. Like, and my and my, one of my best friends, Maria Lewis, who's an author and a and a writer. She's like, uh, I didn't know Robert De Niro was handsome. Like, and I didn't. I wasn't prepared for it, Blake. When she watched oh, yeah. the movie to come onto the show, she's like, I wasn't prepared for it. Val Kilmer has never been more smoldering and sexy in his entire career. Like, really. I mean, size more looks good in yes. this movie. Yeah. And let's not forget about Dennis Haysbert, probably oh. at, at his most beautiful, and he's already a beautiful man, but like his most beautiful ever. He's very, very beautiful in this movie too. And, yeah. and you know, I think it's, and of course, Ashley Judd, like m- couldn't be more stunning in her entire career as well. Like this is the movie that should have launched and we now know why, you know, right. it should have been like, this is the movie that's like this is a contender for like one of the best working actors in the nineties, like Oscar yeah, material. Yeah, she's so good in it. Yeah, really and really strong. The strong Diane Venora. Everyone's beautiful in this movie, yeah. and I think yeah. I think it's just no one no one ever talks about it. I know it is a weird thing. I guess it is a weird thing to talk about because there are is so much more going on, and and it's not the thing that immediately comes to mind. But yeah, it's chock full of hotties. Yeah, chock full. Chock full of hotties. Not just Henry. <laughs> Not but just... yeah, no, De Niro is very handsome in this. I, I will say that my most handsome De Niro is um, New York, New York, which oh, I know yeah. is, you know, not everybody likes that movie, but I I really like it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> as long as it's not Kate Fear, because he's just, he tips into the creepy. He's tips into the creepy. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you're a person who likes a really thin dude, you really, you know, reedy De Niro, like it's like early days, mean streets. He's a bit, you know, he's a bit of a cad. He's a, he's cheeky, rap scallion, you know. But yeah, um, but this movie, he's like handsome. Oh yeah, no, he is, and you you get why Amy or Edie Edie is into him, but. I also, I don't know, I, I'm sort of obsessed with psychopaths and I like tried to see like, I'm like, are all of these people psychopaths or just some of them? Or are they like on the spectrum? And like, I sort of feel like she's got this very sweet, like empathetic person and sort of like, why does she, why is she so drawn to him? But like, there is like a psychic connection between empath, empaths and psychopaths. And she's like, I drawn to him and I like need to like be near him because she's the one who approaches him in the in the coffee shop or the bookstore or whatever it is that yeah. she says hello to him and it, it's really it's like that strong you know he's he's really strong and seems really sure and she seems mm-hmm. at the at the time pretty directionless and artistic and like may, maybe it's that too but i wonder i it's so weird right cuz you see it in like in like corporate environments and working environments there are like people there's this there's this like new age thing where it's like you should be super independent and think for yourself and be creative and have all this like impulse to do that and then you encounter folk who are just like no just tell me exactly what you want me to do and i'm gonna do it and they like that and so when i like when that's one thing i like examining about neil's crew is kind of you look at chris who much more agency and then you've got like uh, you know michael being tom sizemore and he's like 
he's like the yes man. He's like, yes, Neil. Yes, yes. I want to do like Neil's the most successful. Neil's the pinnacle of success in his mind. And so he's got this like really uh, complicit, like, yep, yep, yep. I'll do whatever you say. And that's the the power of that awesome, like triangular conversation where that happening. Cause he goes to Chris and Chris is like, this is my life. I have my agency. I'm doing this my last job and I'm out. Yeah. But like the juice is worth a squeeze. Yeah. And, and, and the, that's another thing you think about is when they are deciding to do that last job is like, what are the motivations for everyone and the risks and the choices that have brought them there? You know, yes. Chris has the gambling addiction and he's like, I need the money, like blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, like Michael is just like, whatever you say, boss, like I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugh Benny too, there's an amazing scene. Uh, the scene that he introduces Wayne Grove to Van Sant. And mm-hmm. there's a look over to from, from Van Sant to Hugh Benny, so from the great William Fickner to, to Henry Rollins. And he's like looking at him and he's trying to there's almost like a question going, What the fuck have you gotten me into? <laughs> like it was a great like moment. And Hugh Benny at that time's like, you know, being the big, you know, burly dude that he is, you know, he feels like I'm in control. Like, I feel like yeah. he's like, I feel like I'm in control in this situation. I'm not physically scared of this guy. I'm okay. And, but I love that he looks over and it's kind of like Van Zandt's looking at him and he's looking sort of feels like he's in control, but that's like slipping away. And there's this exchange that happens between them that leads up to this scene, which is like, this is a guy who's probably so like low on the criminal rung. And he's like hooked onto this white collar crook. And this white collar crook thinks he's like, thinks he's a Neil McCauley. He's like, oh, Hugh Benny, he's like done jobs, knows all these people. And like he gets into a situation where you've got some really gnarly and nasty like Kevin Gage's Wayne Grow and he's like, oh, shit, this is not, I needed to hire someone slightly more qualified than Hugh Benny. Are like so far in over their heads. Yes. And I actually really like um, Fitchner's performance because he is kind of – He's a quieter and like almost like tender in his performance. Like he, I don't know. What did I write down? I wrote down something about him because it it just, you kind of, whenever I think of William Fitchner, I think of him like really tough and cold and like totally in control. But like in this, like he's a little bit more like timid or something. Like he just doesn't really know what's going on. It's like, I don't want to tread on the toes in the next minute, but you're so perfectly on the money, which is like. There's an, you know, the great thing of Neil's like, where, you know, where, where is he? It's like, how the hell? Like the, the delivery of his final line is so tender. How yeah. the hell should I know? <laughs> like yeah. In his nice sweater. It's, what did you call it? It's a nice sweater that he was wearing. Sweater. It was like a soft, gray, gnarled. <laughs> I don't know. His loungewear was great. Loungewear. <laughs> He and he and um he and Benny were both in their like in their le- athleisure kicking <laughs> their heels for a little. They were because Benny's in um his like sweatsuit outfit. <laughs> it's the biggest sweatsuit in the world. <laughs> you could fit three people in those pants. Like they parachute out and they come back to those <laughs> gross elastics around his ankles. Like God damn it, bro! Wear some tighter pants. Seriously. <laughs> for me, wear some tighter for, for pants. For Katie. For Katie, 
Michael, he's like, what would you be? How funny! Like you can imagine Michael Mann. Like, so, um, so Henry, what would you be wearing at home? And he's like, oh, this is what I'd normally wear. And he's wearing the Henry Rollins shorts. Google search. Sure. And he's like, no, yes. you need to be wearing sweatpants and a jumper. He's like, cover up your upper thighs, please. <laughs> I just need those covered. This movie cannot be derailed by your upper thighs. I know. You've already derailed the the, yeah. the heist, but if your thighs come in, you're going to derail the final <laughs> act of this movie, and I can't I can't bear it. They'll be too powerful, and <laughs> I to take in, and then we no we won't be paying attention. We'll, we'll need to put an intermission in, and uh, we can't do it. We just can't do it. People are going to need a cold face washer just to yeah. Mop going to go out, take a breather. Whew. <laughs> Ready to ready to come back. <laughs> well, um, wait, I have a question for you. Yes, have you seen the movie Den of Thieves? No, I haven't. Okay, not yet. Not yet. You need to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few people that have asked me, and I and uh, on the Australia. So in in Oz, like one of our alternate sort of like our Hulu, if you like. It's not the Netflix, but um, it's called Stan. And uh, they just got Den of Thieves. So I put it on my, okay. like, watch list. And I've been so, like, Katie, it's like you and a couple of other folk who've done this show have been like, Blake, you, f- <laughs> you need to see this movie. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a heat ripoff in the, you know, some, some people have said it's a heat ripoff that actually is not too bad. And others have said it's so ghastly. You need to see it. I want to hear you, like, do an episode specially so, on the show. So good. Please, if you do an episode, I really want to be on it. Okay. I'm 100% saying now, I'm going to watch it in the next, you know, we're, we're, as we're recording this, it's close to the end of uh, 2018. But I promise, yeah. I'm promising over my break, I'm definitely going to watch it. And I'm going to stay in touch with Katie and we're going to come back. We're going to talk <laughs> exclusively, a bonus episode of this show yes. just on Den of Thieves and all oh, of the heat parallels. I just want to talk about it so much. But it is a, it is a complete heat ripoff. The opening scene, you'll just be shocked yeah sort of like dumb heat (laughs) but it's it's actually really well made and i've I've heard it's well made i've heard it's genuinely well made but i think one thing that i'm exactly what you're coming on to and we'll probably talk about it on the bonus app but it's like (laughs) everyone who talks about the show like all the segments that we've even talked about in this episode you know around you know, individual character motivations and being able to sort of align these people to, you know, chaotic good or lawful evils and, and like big, huge archetypes, but also really nice, nicely uh, tweaked and made authentic and, and unique in their own ways. There's so much emotion going on with these characters that I think all the heat ripoffs forget that this movie is a drama. Like it's a drama yeah. about characters and we only give a shit about when things go bang because we are so dialed into these people and we actually see, you know, we don't, we want Chris to succeed in this heist because, you know, in, in the heist that we've just seen, we want him so desperately to succeed because we know that Dominic and Charlene are at home and he's a gambling addict and we're hoping that there's a Hail Mary that he fixes that. And we want Neil to get away with Edie and we... And we don't want to see a collision, really. We kind of do and we don't, but we don't want to see any of the cops die because we're invested in them. We've been out with them. We like how they interact and socialize. That that cop party looks like a hell of a blast. Like, that looks like fun. Um, yeah. You know. Real so, stakes and emotions and the characters and, like, you get sad when people die yes. and it's, it's, it's real, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think Den of Thieves doesn't quite get – it's not as sophisticated as, you know, like 
De Niro and Pacino are so classy and sophisticated in this, even though they are criminals and kind of, you know, weird cops and stuff. And, um, they just have like a suaveness about them. And like, he is just like, I mean, Den of Thieves is like, it's Pablo Schreiber and Gerard Butler. And they're just like these roided out, like rage gorillas, which is, <laughs> uh, also I enjoy, but thick ass. <laughs> yes. They're just like enormous. They they're humongous. Yes. So you know, it spoke to me. <laughs> so God, this you, episode is very revealing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm finally glad that we got to talk about that. People are good looking in this movie because every time I see you know you see really beautiful uh, you know act, actors actresses. When you say Ashley Dud in this movie, she's a knockout. Like she takes yeah, she, your breath away a couple of times, yeah. and you're like. How are you looking after a kid? You're too beautiful. Like, yeah. when did you have this kid? You know, she's amazing. And, the, um, you know, similarly, like, uh, Don Braden. So, but I love, so, you know, it's, it's, I think that what great thing about this show is that at least people put their hearts on their sleeve and say, why do I love this movie? And it can be thick Henry Rollins, and I'm happy with that. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Guys, this has been another episode of One Eight Minute. A real great, I've had a great time. I've had a great time. I don't know about Katie, but I've certainly had a great time. Um, I Katie, Katie Walsh, you can find her um, on on the Twitters at at Katie Walsh STX on Twitter. Um, that links off to um, all of her stuff for the Times, and um, and and actually has a link to her Rotten Tomatoes there, so you can see the different reviews. So you can check out Flow Flow Jenks um, on there as well as a terrific Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Um, Katie, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This has been a lot of fun. Okay, and I, I would have asked you to come back, but you've already promised a Den of Thieves episode, so we're going to stay in touch. Yay! Awesome. I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> um, guys, this has been another episode of One Heat Minute. Thank you so much. I've been Blake Howard at Blake is Batman on Twitter if you want to find it. OneHeatMinute.com for everything. Mail at One Heat Minute if you want to email in. Um, one of them, uh, you guys would have heard a few episodes back. Um, I talked to Oscar Hillestrom on the show right at the beginning of the heist and I read out some amazing correspondence from a, a whole bunch of folks. So um, if there's more coming through and, and, the, and it demands it, absolutely we'll throw that at the top. But we'll catch you on another episode of One Heat Minute just around the corner. <laughs>